So hello and welcome everyone here in the European Parliament uh, in Strasbourg. We're uh, talking with the EPP group about Russia and whether it should be identified as a terrorist state or a state sponsor of terrorism. There is a resolution here in the European Parliament on that. It is multi-party support. Uh, it, and the question is, is this just a declaration or will it become a political reality? Could it lead, perhaps, uh, to seizing of assets uh, and using those assets to compensate uh, Ukraine? Uh, joining us, uh, first of all, is Mikhail Gallo uh, of Germany, uh, EPP Group uh, Foreign Affairs uh, spokesman and coordinator. Um, Mikhail, um, in this draft resolution, because it is to be approved, um, what is what could be the impact of it? How does it identify Russia as a state sponsor of terrorism? Well, first of all, we describe all the atrocities that Russia is committing in a way outside the mere military field, that is the uh, destruction of uh, critical infrastructure, the deliberate bombing of uh, housing residential areas. It specifically uh, mentions Zaporizhia nuclear plant. Yes, yeah. that is, that is uh, also one uh, of the major critical points. Uh, but it's in general all the electricity supplies and water supplies. Uh, so what people actually need is certainly not only in winter. Mm -hmm. But uh, so that is a description first. And then as a consequence, we say, well, this is something that is, has a terrorist nature. So we say it is both a state sponsoring terrorism, that is what they do uh, when they support these uh, alleged um, uh, separatists in the Donbass, uh, and it's a state that uses terrorist means. So that when they bomb a, a shopping center, that is when, when Al-Qaeda does it, we could clearly call it terrorism. And in this case, we should also call it terrorism, uh, terrorist means, uh, because there cannot be a rebate for a state uh, if, uh, if he commits the, exactly the same things as the usual terrorists. Right. Um, and let's talk about the impact then. Yeah. Uh, and uh, joining us very shortly is uh, Radek Sikorsky. Uh, you're both very busy voting on different things, so it's very, very uh, hectic here at the European Parliament, as it always is. Um, uh, in, in, in terms of the impact of this, uh, there is in, in the resolution the call for an international compensation mechanism, uh, including an international register of damage and actively cooperate with the Ukrainian authorities on this matter. What does that concretely mean? Indeed. Well, first of all, it means, of course, uh, that is the work that the Ukrainians, first of all, have to do is to register the damage that is, well, that can be done. That is what they are doing. And then uh, we are, we have already asked the Commission uh, for quite a while to find out a legal base there where we could get hold of Russian state assets that we have frozen and of oligarchs as well uh, in order to to take them uh, for compensation and for reparation because mm. voluntarily, uh, even after a victorious outcome for Ukraine of the war, voluntarily, I don't see that Russia would uh, agree to pay for something, but we should make use of what we've got hold of uh, in the, at the beginning of the war, what we have frozen, that is not yet taken, it's frozen only, but there is to be a legal base for that uh, to be developed uh, and I hope that we uh, will, uh, at rather short notice, get such base and then really uh, tit for tat. That means if there is a certain concrete damage, we can roughly assess the, its value and then we would 
hopefully at some point be able to take it from the frozen state assets and to deliver it directly to Ukraine. And we're talking billions and billions of course. In frozen state of assets, course. right? It's quite significant. Yeah. Um, let me also invite now on uh, Radoslav Sikorsky, also on the uh, Foreign Affairs uh, Committee. Uh, Radek, in this resolution, um, what do you think and hope would be the impact of this if it does actually become a reality? Because you've got to get this past the European Council, which could be quite problematic, right? Well, I spoke in the debate on the resolution, and I think Michael and I uh, agree, and certainly the EPP representative uh, argued in the conference of, um, of uh, party leaders that um, the title of the resolution is somewhat misleading. Russia doesn't sponsor some other bodies to conduct the terrorism. They're doing Ru it. Russia sends death squads <laughs> abroad, <laughs> including to the European yeah. Union, to yeah. kill people. Yeah. And it's uh, Russian missiles and Russian planes that bomb civilian targets, which is also um, a definition of terrorism. Okay. So actually, I mean, it's a compromise. Uh, I would have preferred for the ah. title to be Russia is a terrorist state. Yeah. And we need a legal procedure whereby the victims of this terrorism can be satisfied from Russian assets. Okay. And as you know, the equivalent American procedure is that the victims can sue the terror state in American courts. And I hope we, have, we get something like this as a result. Okay. Uh, but it's how likely is it that every European country could be on board? Because there are some European countries... I might not name them specifically, but that are not as critical of Russia as others are. Yes, and I'm, we're probably thinking of some of the same countries, yes. but some of them need uh, some European money rather urgently, so I think <laughs> we'll have a fruitful negotiation. Yeah, um, and uh, so, but, but this has been developing for quite some time, hasn't it? Russia has been evolving toward uh, uh, being a terrorist state. Is that true? Well, Russia spent over 300 million euros um, trying to affect the internal politics of uh, Western countries over the last uh, few years alone. I was... That's not really terrorism, though, is it? That's no, but it's subversion. Manipulation. Right? It's subversion. And I'm, I'm, I'm just sad that it's, it's taken a war for us to switch off Russia today and Sputnik in our own territories. We should have done it years ago. Right. Um... I guess this would be another step toward isolating Russia internationally, wouldn't it, if this actually happens? Well, indeed, uh, and uh, for, for Russian civil society, as far as it still exists, uh, and for Russian opposition with whom we are in contact here, those who are in the West and those who can speak out still, uh, from them we are getting an encouragement to do it uh, because for, that is for them very important uh, to also argue uh, on, a, on a solid base and being aware that they are supported also from uh, our Western democracies because I think it, uh, there is no way of returning to business as usual uh, even after the war if it is still this Russia. Uh, right. But we have to think creatively and constantly of, uh, uh, of the time after Putin and hopefully of a new Russia that embarks steps uh, towards something that we might think could look like democratic. Yeah. I'm, I'm deliberately formulating it very cautiously well, because uh, as we speak, there is no such real base. Well, that's, that, that leads me to the next question is what could this possibly do internally in Russia? How could this... 
Uh, what impact could this have on the opposition in Russia, Fedek? Well, as we know, the uh, so sociological base for democracy, for more liberal politics in Russia, is, I'm afraid, a minority pursuit. It's pretty thin. Um, Russia has been unlucky. Um, I think if it wasn't for World War I, it might have evolved towards a constitutional monarchy, but... If there was a Menshevik revolution. Sure, but right. the war party is destroying not just the Russian military, but the, but the basis of the Russian economy as well. Mm. And there is an important discussion taking place in Russian opposition circles that empire is bad for Russia, that to develop Russia, Russia needs to drop imperial ambitions. Um, hope we should encourage that even even if chances are, are not high. So the impact is a, is, is a message to the, the government itself to change its ways. If Russia loses this, there will be a period of reflection and reform, just like there was after the Crimea War, the Russo-Japanese War, mm. the, the losses in World War I, which, I remind you, first produced a, a kind of constitutional revolution, a liberal one, only then a Bolshevik coup. Right. Um, uh, we, we should sympathize with those Russian Democrats who are there to protest against this war. And let's remember, there are now more political prisoners in Russia than under Brezhnev. Oh. And it takes great courage for a Russian to be against the war party, against Putin, and also against a significant proportion of their own compatriots. Uh, right. Perhaps right. one aspect yes, that might trigger uh, uh, some opposition is the sheer amount of, of killed Russian soldiers. Probably there are around 80,000 uh, that have already been killed and others wounded. Yeah. And that has, of course, by now been uh, hidden by the official propaganda. But more and more people uh, are aware, either out. from their own yeah. families or from acquaintances, that there is something ongoing and that there are a lot of uh, uh, dead bodies are coming back. And, uh, like, or just being abandoned or burnt. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and, mm. uh, and uh, the... Uh, uh, but the, the mother, uh, soldiers' mothers that had in earlier times already mobilized themselves, perhaps in a different way, now uh, that such people who are affected directly in their families by these uh, uh, figures, sheer figures of, of killed soldiers, that they might be in a position to organize themselves. And even in the, in the, uh, in the social media, where normally we find these uh, uh, supportive structures, uh, they are starting to become very critical. Yeah. about the, how, how the war goes. That doesn't mean that they are in favor of ending it, right. but simply by mentioning uh, uh, the negative developments that might, as a side effect, trigger uh, uh, opposition that might hopefully at some point be in a, uh, able to, to organize themselves more efficiently. Right. So in wrapping this up, I mean, how likely is it that this could become reality? The parliament passes a lot of stuff. The commission passes a lot of stuff, proposes a lot of stuff. You go through it, you approve it. It's got to get past the council, the EU 27 leaders. How likely is this going to happen? And adding one thing is that with these latest Russian attacks on infrastructure, putting the country, Ukraine, in the dark and in the cold, doesn't this intensify and strengthen the call for such a measure? It does. And we have another powerful incentive. Uh, Ukraine will need to be rebuilt. Ukraine is now a candidate uh, member of the European Union. Yep. We can either send the 300 billion of Russian money that have been frozen 
back to Putin, back to Russia. And then we have to uh, uh, put up the 300 billion. Yeah. Or we can use the 300 billion to... Uh, to um, Rebuild. To uh, correct yeah. the, uh, the damage done by Russian arms. Put it that the way to... The choice is ours. Put it that way to the taxpayer, right? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so essentially, this is... It, it's more than words. It's establishing the legal grounds to seize those assets to rebuild Ukraine. Basically, that's also it, right? as an as an incentive for future aggressors not to do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay, but again, how likely is it to get well, the EU twenty seven leaders, our leaders in the council to do the right thing? The, you know, we in Parliament, we are a democratically elected body, uh, 70 years today, yeah. uh, and we are telling them that this is the, what the people of, of, of Europe demand. Yeah. yeah. And we are getting step by step, hopefully, a critical mass. We have already some national parliaments who have passed this resolution. The NATO and Assembly. The NATO Assembly, uh, the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe has called uh, Russia um, a state uh, or this current regime, yeah. uh, Putin regime, uh, uh, a terrorist one. So uh, It's when piling the, on the pressure on yeah. the EU. Ukraine's cause and our cause in this are just. We need to do it. Yeah, yeah. I guess that does it, guys. Um, let's wrap this up. you got to get off and vote right now. So yep. thanks, everyone, for joining thanks. us on this APP Group Talk uh, on Russia. And uh, my thanks, of course, uh, to uh, Radek and to Michael for joining us at EPP Group. Check that out. Uh, and more information on eppgroup.eu. My name is Chris Burns. See you next time.